I've always wanted to make love to an angry welder. I've dreamed of nothing else since I was a small boy. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're a podcast, Cracks Open Beer, and we talk about some movies. Now, we are in week three of Rotten March, which is, we are talking about movies that are under 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this week, we will be discussing Jaws 4, a.k.a. Jaws the Revenge. We'll be talking about Aragon, and we'll be talking about Highlander 2, The Quickening, uh, the Renegade version, mostly, because there are two versions of that movie, one of which is available to stream, the other is kind of a hunt. (laughs) Technically, there are three versions. There's, yeah. But none of them should be watchable. Or so I don't think there. I think we watched the special edition, not the renegade. From what that's, I read, the that's special what edition is. is what's uh, available for streaming. Renegade's the hardest hunt, and you can actually watch the theatrical version on YouTube. I almost put myself through that. No, because <laughs> what I rented on uh, Amazon was the renegade version. It's what it said, okay. and like reading up on it, that's what I saw was the renegade yeah. version. But uh, the special edition version and the renegade version are very similar, I think. Yeah, I think there's some negligible differences. But before we get to all that, we have to get into what we're drinking. So, Mike, what do you got? Okay, so this episode will release on St. Patrick's Day. Oh yeah! Oh, so, I didn't even realize that. It makes mine makes perfect sense too. Then, <laughs> so I went with neck of the woods, and they have an Irish potato sour. Interesting. And wouldn't put that together. <laughs> well, I had it when so I was at neck of the woods. So this is one of the few beers where I've had before. I am reviewing it, and uh, I Tommy. My cousin Tommy recommended it while we were there for uh, baby's gender reveal party. And it's in a giant fishbowl. In a giant fishbowl. So the first sip hits a little more sour, but as you drink it, it tastes just like Irish potatoes. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? But well, I do like it. Like I had four of them that night so i had to at least like get enough to keep buying it right well what i could see from in the fishbowl looks like it's a bright like flag of ireland orange too yeah it is it is it it's kind of like that light ale type of color uh, with a yeah, hint yeah, of yeah. red yeah so it's 7.5 percent nice and uh bought this on friday this was canned on march 11th so okay that's I think that eight. was Friday. That's same day. <laughs> yeah. That's that day. Yep. Okay. So uh yeah, first sip it's a little sour. As you drink it, it gets a little sweeter and you get the more Irish potato taste. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, like I said, since you did say this is coming out on um St. Patrick's Day, I inadvertently picked an appropriate one <laughs> because I completely forgot what day this is coming out. But I went with a a brewery that I I'm shocked that we, neither of us has gone to yet, which was Zed's beer. Now, I haven't heard of it. Zed's is in Marlton. And it's if you follow any kind of like South Jersey brewing on Instagram or anything like that, it's all anybody ever talks about is Zed's. It's all it's everywhere. And I happen to pick two of them, one of which I picked for tonight, which is Zed's Kilkenny Irish Red Ale. (laughs) And it is like a dark, deep red, and it is very delicious. 
Irish Reds are one of my favorites. It's delicious. It really is. And it's five point, it's five percent. So it's real middle of the road, real easy drinking. Um probably after a while we get a little heavy on St. Patrick's Day if you're drinking them by the uh the gallon, but um it's good. It's really good. And um I I recommend Zeds. When I went there, I was coming home from um from work on Friday as well. And I happened to be going by there. So I was like, oh, I'll just stop there. And then I, I was like, yeah, I'll just run in. No, the place was fucking packed. So I was like, I had to find a parking space like around the corner of the shopping center it's in. I had to walk like seven miles uphill. And then I finally got uh, got in there. And I did notice that they have one called a Vietnamese Saison, which I was huh. very intrigued by. I didn't pick it up, but I'm very intrigued by it. I'll probably get it uh, a different time. Interesting. So, that out of the way, why don't we get into uh, the movies for tonight? The first of which, we've already talked about the first one, the classic legendary Jaws. Now, we are now going to get into the polar opposite of that, which is on the 10, 0 to 10, 0 to negative 10 scale, this 10 being Jaws, negative 10 being Jaws the Revenge, because this no, movie... No, negative 10 is a movie you would enjoy watching, though you know it's bad. I didn't enjoy a damn second of this one. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. This movie is so stupid. It's like, you got you kind of got to love it for how, how ridiculous it actually is. Now, it's directed by Joseph Sargent, who did literally nothing else but some old television. And... It's 0%. It's 1987, 0% of Rotten Tomatoes, and it uh, features a roaring shark at one point. <laughs> yeah, like, it sounds like Godzilla letting out a scream. <laughs> but it's a shark, you know, breaching and sharks water. sharks don't make noises, really. Nope. <laughs> Not even a little bit. <laughs> no. No, but, yeah, sharks Sharks don't roar, if you didn't know. I'm now, I'm, I'm turned in my historian badge and now i'm happy our film's marine biologist because apparently i know more about sharks than the guy that wrote this movie <laughs> I, I love how the only qualifying thing you need by to become a marine biologist is just to know that sharks don't roar <laughs> listen this movie nothing said else. incredibly low <laughs> no, yeah, nothing else it's like dr nick going to upstairs medical college you know that's that's upstairs marine biology college <laughs> But I do, I do appreciate the fact though, that this movie starts off like it, with a uh, with a, a grown up Georgie getting his arm ripped off by shark by a shark. <laughs> yeah. But the whole premise of the movie, though, in case no one's ever seen it, is that um, uh, Ellen, it's Ellen Brody, right? Yeah. yeah. She's um, she's convinced that the shark, you know, the one that was blown up in the first movie, the one that was destroyed in the second okay it can't possibly be the same shark but it's somehow out for revenge against the brody family <laughs> so this maybe is a serial a, killer maybe it's a child that was left orphaned because <laughs> right it's like yeah, it's like the bruce wayne of sharks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's out for vengeance <laughs> no no if he's the bruce wayne for sharks he's in fact out for justice <laughs> justice, justice. well in the new in the batman it's vengeance but um yeah so it's and it's it's hilarious because Lorraine Gary is I don't Michael Keaton is I mean not Michael Keaton Michael uh, Kane is on record saying that this movie was a paycheck movie he's like 
he even says like i've never seen the movie but i've seen the house that it built and it's a lot and it's amazing the exact quote i've written down is i've never seen the movie i imagine it's terrible but i have seen the house it's built and it's pretty amazing right well like i can imagine that like lorraine gary was probably the same way she was like you know what fuck it i need two pulls <laughs> some of her line delivery in this movie is just like why why what director could possibly have seen that delivery for that line and went yup <laughs> a guy who's only directed old television <laughs> that's how and i i don't think he was working with much of a budget because a lot of this movie is just flashbacks to other movies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or earlier in the film and a lot of that, that's even that's one of the better signs of a bad movie is when one of your characters has a flashback to events that they were not present for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's this unexplained psychic link between her and what must be the offspring of the shark from Jaws. So it's I, I, I don't even know how you if you're her. I mean, obviously, your family's being systematically, you know, you can see they're constantly having run ins with sharks. You know, your son has just died. Um, your husband had to hunt one down. You know, it's at and certain apparently point, died from fear of its offspring coming. I'm just right. gonna assume this this shark is the all. It's not said, but like it's the only thing that can you can say, like, hey, this shark realized its mom got killed by this guy, and the shark somehow developed a psychic link with his wife and decided to hunt the family down that right. is that's the only way that this movie i'm not going to say makes sense because that's giving it too much credit but it's the only way the story could have possibly come to be well that's the thing i mean it, it gives it an actual story if you make it legitimately that instead of yeah. an, a woman who's just completely insane she is just completely insane because everyone around her is like you know that's impossible, right? <laughs> because A, it ain't the same shark, you know? And B, that would mean that there's some sort of lineage here that this, this shark has experiences with the previous sharks. <laughs> there, there, there's actually another theory that might be controversial, but she's actually Aquaman. And she has a subconscious hatred towards her children and is instructing this shark to go after them. <laughs> yeah she's it's kind of like a tyler durden thing where like she's subconsciously telling the shark to come after her, you know yeah <laughs> she's created a whole new personality that and the only reason uh the only reason uh what what is uh what is michael kane hoagie the only reason hoagie michael kane's character makes it from the plane to the boat is because she subconsciously wanted dick <laughs> yeah oh oh yeah and she, I believe, well, has consciously some, and subconsciously, but as I say, she's at some point off screen gotten dick in this movie. She's she's taken the hoagie in, you know, <laughs> and that's that's one of the best, like the best parts about Michael Caine. Michael Caine in this movie, it's there's also a part where he's like he keeps one of his little running gags with his character that he keeps telling these rando stories, and one of which is like shockingly similar to Alfred's story in the Dark Knight <laughs> with the uh, the bandit throwing away the gems. <laughs> I was waiting for him to say that he came across a child playing a row with a ruby the size of a tangerine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now. This, this is all you should need to know about this movie. I'm on the IMDb page, and they okay. have the quotes page. 
Roger. Now, do you want to know what the top quote from this movie is? Wait, hold on, hold on. I think I have it. Uh, it's it's my favorite line in the entire movie. I've always wanted to make love to an angry welder. I've dreamed of nothing else since I was a small boy. Well, that might be on the website, but on the app, it's different. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> that's that my favorite number, line. Of the movie. That's number three on the app. Oh, okay. Number one is Roar the Shark. <laughs> I almost spit beer all over my computer just <laughs> They actually credit it to the shark. It, it says shark roar. That's that's so much better. Like usually in the trivia section, you see some like backhanded comments about other trivia lines. That's so much better because someone's like, you know what? This is gonna be a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> like they put some thought into that one. <laughs> That's great. No, no. So they do the whole, uh, however many people out of however many people found this interesting. Right. So number two, it's just Hoagie saying, "Oh shit." Yeah, that makes 13 sense. people out of 13 people found that interesting. Sounds about right. Number three is I've always wanted to make love to an angry welder. I've dreamed of it. Seven out of seven people found that interesting. Nice. Four. From the shark, 99 people out of 99 people found that interesting. Yep, yep, that, that's exactly right. I mean, that's that is if anything, like say you're say you've never seen this movie, but you've seen the original and you're searching on IMDb and you just hit Jaws, and for some reason the revenge pops up after you. You're like, oh, what's this? And you click on it, you go into the quotes, you're like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe I'll get something like smile, you son of a bitch, or something like that. And then you look and you see Roar credited to Shark in the top line. You'd be like, all right, that's interesting. I will agree to that. Yes, thumbs well, up. Well, <laughs> I, I feel like first reaction is be like, well, that makes me really not want to watch this movie. But I'm going to YouTube a shark roaring. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, my being me, I'd be like, well, I'm in. <laughs> I have to see how the shark roars and why. But yes, it, but the first... Uh, to save myself that pain would probably be like, yeah, let's just re YouTube that scene. But um, I also love how, and Kara, <laughs> Kara loves this movie. And she's, she calls um uh, Ellen's um like her little moments that she has, she calls it her shark sense, like, you know, her spidey <laughs> sense, like when she can sense the shark doing some shit. And it always reminds me of the line uh, from the Simpsons. Hello. That sounded like a great white swimming, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of hello. That sounded like a pig fainting. <laughs> but That's, some of her, some of her line delivery, it's just so incredibly bad. Like, like when uh, she when goes she to says, angrily make dinner. <laughs> uh, when she says, like, he only kissed me. <laughs> right. I, I enjoy this scene where she's, like, angrily making dinner yeah. <laughs> and telling Michael to quit his job. <laughs> and they have to stop her, like, hold her in his shoulder, like, shake her. But they're like, come get back with us. You know, what the hell's the matter with you? Snap out of it. <laughs> now, this movie, they famously redcon jaws 3d they almost pay no attention to jaws 3d so As imagine imagine going like that movie was so terrible we were going to get rid of it and redo the continuity after after jaws 2 and then coming up with this hot steaming pile of dog shit i mean it it's it's in a way it's 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 along the same lines as like 80s slashers of the time. 
Yeah. Like Jason and Freddie got re like retconned and rewritten and shit was cherry picked and all that. So like it makes sense to make this movie in 1987 and completely ignore certain parts of the entire mythology of the franchise before it. But to turn it into woman is scared of shark hunting her family, you know, <laughs> to the point where a great white will go into the Caribbean where it w- literally hates to be because it's warm water yeah. <laughs> and do that point i think might as well walk on land <laughs> now i would have rather gotten peter griffin's pitch of jaws five bigger jaws where bigger jaws, jaws teams up with the guys to take down bigger jaws aka the meg <laughs> right yeah bigger jaws yeah that's there's there's so much that I can't like that you can just simply can't understand like but then there's just simple filmmaking and the laziness of it they redo the mimicking scene from the original yeah. like the endearing scene between Roy and it Sider. was the other son <laughs> right it's completely <laughs> different kid. <laughs> completely different kid and the best but the best part is like that scene was just it was endearing and it was original and then the two actors even the little kid was a great actor in that scene in this movie, Michael, not the best actor. The daughter, I won't even bring up the real-life tragedy of that young actress. It's horrifying. I would say, I would say Google it, but I'll just give you the shorthand. It involves a murder-suicide, and it is bad. And it happened shortly after this movie came out. It's it's horrifying. But still, it's like she's a fine actress for other things, but this mimicking scene. Oh my God. She's the actress that plays Ducky. I know exactly the story. Yeah. It's horrifying. (laughs) I was a huge fan of the land before time. And I read that story and it destroyed my childhood. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Like that reading that's like, Holy shit. This, this girl. Wow. But it's almost like reading about Carol Ann Poltergeist. It's like, Holy shit, you know, but, or even the, the other daughter in Poltergeist, you know, more like her, but with this, it's like, you know, you, this girl is just not that strong of an actor. And she's she's cute, but for some reason, she's not as cute as the other kid in the original. It just doesn't work. Yeah, she's not that strong of an actor in this. Go right. watch the, her, her voice acting in Land Before Time as Ducky is iconic. Well, you put her on screen, she's a different person. You know, she's a little more self-conscious, maybe. She's a little more reserved, you know. But it's, it's it, and it, in this movie, how bad it is you do not get to mimic one of the best scenes in the original you just don't get to do it you're already cherry picking the smile you son of a bitch line for no reason whatsoever you know you you get that that's it (laughs) you do not get i want to give this movie a slight bit of credit not for anything of merit that happens in this movie not strictly for making me thankful for something that happened in another movie. Now this movie, the shark is very present. Like you see the shark full body, you see the shark underwater, and it is the least intimidating thing I've ever seen. And it makes me thankful that the shark for Jaws was worked only occasionally and you only got glimpses of it because damn it, the suspense made it so much better. Of course. Yeah, and Steven Spielberg is a master filmmaker, yes. <laughs> as opposed to this dude whose name is on my notes, and I can't be bothered to scroll up to read it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's he's just terrible. But likewise, yeah, like when you said with the shark, 
there are several scenes where it looks like it's two guys in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> like walking along the bottom of the ocean with this thing. It's awful. But we also need to talk about because of it goes with the line I've always wanted to marry to make love to an angry welder. Michael's wife. Um, they're in the Bahamas, yes. She is a government commissioned trash art sculptor, essentially. (laughs) The Bahamian government is paying her to make this garbage, you know, that you would find on like an angry hipster's Instagram page. You know, it's not good. Or on the corner of New York. the street in new york city right you're getting a government fucking grant like no wonder there's so much poverty in those islands look where this money's going you know they're throwing money away (laughs) it's awful but yeah and it's so it was i know it's supposed to it's just the sculpture looks like a vagina to a degree it's awful yeah it's it's so bad and then, of course, there's a, there's a couple scenes where Michael looks like Kenny Loggins, like in the Christmas scene. He just looks like Kenny Loggins. It's like, okay, I guess it's 1987. I guess that makes sense. And then, of course, there's Mario Van Peebles, who we haven't even mentioned yet. And he is he's, he sounds like he's straight out of Cool Runnings, you know? <laughs> he sounds like he's out of Cool Runnings. It's it's weird. It's It's this weird, weird character. And I think his dad, Melvin, is one of the dudes on the ship, <laughs> like on their boat. One of the randos that are sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. This movie sucks. (laughs) The only reason to watch this movie is if you want to have better thoughts about the original. Like, just, it's like, just by comparison, you're like, watch this movie first, then watch the original, and you'll go, like, holy shit, this, like, you'll be kissing the ground the original walks on after this one. I mean, the original is a fucking classic, but it is. This and this is this is more of like a completist thing. Like you, you just want to see all the Jaws movies. Yeah, watch it. <laughs> There's no other reason. Like, if I'm giving the original a grade, it's like a 94 out of 100. But it's, it's if I watch there. if I watch this movie first, it'd be like 130 out of 100. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you definitely. Uh, so I, I want to watch true with any movie. Like I think the Meg would look like an A plus movie after watching this. Well, the Meg is kind of an A plus movie compared to this. You know, it's it's not good, but it's so much better than this. At least they're <laughs> the Meg's realistically a fun C movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be bad. You know, it's, yes, it's not. It's not. They weren't going for high art, which I think yeah. this idiot was trying to do. But. uh Anyway, that's probably more than enough on Jaws. Well, Revenge. this is, I'm going to say, this is not the only movie we're talking about this week with an unexplained psychic connection. And I don't know. This might be the, this might be the lesser of the two, I would say. This would definitely be the lesser <laughs> of the two. I'm not, this is the worst movie of the week. And if I'm giving it a grade, I'm giving it a negative two because it's at least better than Bolero. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely more watchable. But um, like after I gave Bolero a zero, I can't in my right mind give another movie a zero. That Bolero was objectively the worst movie experience I've ever had. I think <laughs> I can do worse. I can find worse for you. <laughs> if you give but, me the movie that makes me move Bolero to a negative one, 
I'll hate you forever. <laughs> I would say okay, I would probably recommend either Tarzan the Ape Man or uh, Joe's Can't Do It, the other of uh, the Bo Derek, John Derek <laughs> fetish movies. But uh, yeah, so anyway, let's move on. Beer check in. How's your beer? Doing good. I would say close to halfway done my crowler. Nice, nice. Still tasting like potatoes. Yeah, it's uh I've gotten past the sour phase and gotten more to the sweet potato phase, Irish potato phase. Nice. All right, yeah, my uh my Zed's Kilkenny Irish Red's really good. I'm on my second one. It's delicious. Real easy drink. It's pretty good. So now we'll get into Aragon from 2006 from 16% Rotten Tomatoes is directed by Stefan Fangmeyer, who this is all he's done. Literally the only thing he's done. He's done nothing else. And um, as I as I texted Mike when I was watching this, I said, hey, is this Lord of the Rings with a jelly bean? <laughs> and uh, it kind of is. <laughs> but Mike is apparently the Aragon expert here. Okay. So I love this movie as a kid. It was one of the first huge books I read as a kid, and I still hold this series pretty near and dear to my heart, the book series, because, you know, this movie happened, and they were like, well, we can't make a second one of those. Right. (laughs) But what I'm going to say is this is the most salvageable to get, like, so it's not the movie, like, there's another movie we will talk about that I think is the best movie, but it's not like a high art movie. It's a movie I enjoy watching the most next week. But I right. think this movie is the one that you could turn into a critical success. This is the movie that we have talked about that with a few changes, you could make it into a movie that people go like, hey, that was good. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I think if you add another hour to this, to actually explain some shit, you'd be that, well on your way to being there. <laughs> so I broke down all the changes that needed to happen to make this Oh, movie. shit. I didn't know this was going to be the Aragon Fix podcast. We might as well have done a separate episode. <laughs> I mean, there's three major changes that I would have made. Is one of which to have John Malkovich be in the movie? Yes, because he is, <laughs> well, he is they cut a lot movie. of the scenes that King Galbatorix is in. His name's Galbatorix. Let's let's talk about these fucking names right off the bat. Let's just talk about these names. No, <laughs> let's 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 make some better names here. These sounds like these sound like Harry Potter names. <laughs> now there are some things that you can't fix in the series because the author was like nineteen when he wrote the first book, and you could kind of tell he was nineteen when he wrote the first book. Gotcha. But now my first fix is I'm recasting Aragon. Yeah. Completely recasting. Oh, absolutely. The, if I'm going about the same age, it's like an eight-month difference. I'm going to cast Taron Egerton as Aragon. I would either put Garrett Hedlund in there. Like, he's in the damn movie already. Put him as the lead. <laughs> yeah, and like, I, like, like I texted you watching it. I was like, make the kid. He's like, you could put the kid from Grind in this as Aragon, and it would make no difference whatsoever. <laughs> But I think if I look like if I'm keeping the same age range, kind of blonde, British, going Taron Egerton, he would be my pick. Sure. Literally anybody but this kid. (laughs) You're gonna you're gonna keep Jeremy Irons as Brom. He's the best part of the movie. Of course, of course. Uh, You're gonna keep John Malkovich as Galbatorix, but you know 
give him something to do. Yeah, ha- have him be in the movie. <laughs> and I'm going to keep Robert Carlyle as Durza because I actually love him as Durza. Okay. I would give him, again, I would let him do a little more Robert Carlyle. <laughs> well, let's discuss Robert Carlyle because Robert Carlyle is one of those guys that's like genetically predisposed to be a villain. Yes. You know, just looking at that guy, you're like, yep, that's a villain in some sort of movie. He's either a ratty little gangster or he's like an evil wi- wizard, you know? <laughs> it's one of the two. <laughs> yeah. Or he's uh in Once Upon a Time, he's uh oh god, why can't I think of the characters? an evil wizard, I'm guessing. <laughs> he is an evil uh, he's Rumble Stillskin. There you go. Basically an evil wizard, yeah. Now Murtog, uh, Garrett Hedlund's character. Yes. I am also going to recast and give him more to do because he has a lot more to do in the fucking book. That's the biggest thing with Aragon is word count wise, it is a little bit more than twice as long as Harry Potter's first book. So Sorcerer's Stone. Now for reference, Sorcerer's Stone's movie is about 50 minutes longer than the first Aragon movie. Yeah. Aragon has 160,000 goddamn words. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, there's a lot of it does come across that Garrett Hedlund's character is like there's a lot more that he needs to be ex- like to explain or be explained about yeah. and they just don't get to it. But it's because he goes from being like suddenly there to being best friends to being like yeah. the guy. And it's like, wait, how? <laughs> now for him, I had a little trouble picking out a actor to replace him but i landed on sebastian stan i think sebastian stan like you're gonna you're gonna get the whole bucky captain america vibe with murtaugh and uh aragon because they do like he turns against aragon in the second book he gets brainwashed yeah of course (laughs) he's essentially captain so sebastian stan works like dark-haired brooding best friend sebastian stan got i would like to just have the winter soldier in this movie (laughs) (laughs) i think that would just be fun (laughs) it's basically a sword it's basically like a knights and shining armor story anyway so fuck it give him the arm robot arm who cares (laughs) (laughs) now a funny story with this movie is this was one of the driving movies where we came up with themes for the pod. Like when we first started the podcast and decided we were going to break yeah. it down into like month long themes. This was a movie that came up. In the- I remember. <laughs> first- yeah. You brought this up a couple times. Yeah. I remember that. I, it was a, this movie was the inspiration for bad, better, best. Yeah. And it was also going to be, um, <laughs> if we did a like young adult series, like we were yeah. going to talk about this one specifically. I remember that. Bad, better, best, uh, because I wanted to do a Jeremy Irons bad, better, best with uh, this die hard and Lion King, right? Right, yeah, but now, yeah, and then I'm also going to recast uh, Sienna Giori. Is that the girl? Yeah, I don't even know her name, <laughs> I don't and even know I'm going to make out. her into Natalie Dormer. Oh, well, yeah. Any, I mean, I've made it known in public and on this podcast that I am a number one biggest fan of putting Natalie Dormer in everything <laughs> simply because I want to see her a lot. <laughs> She's pretty. <laughs> so we're recasting, we're recasting the main trio. Arguably with- <laughs> we're recasting everybody but Malcolm and Irons. <laughs> and Carlisle 
and Carlisle. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Also, the side the side characters can stay. I don't really have any issue with uh, Alan Armstrong playing Uncle Garrow. <laughs> I don't even remember who that is. But what about like Rachel Weiss as the dragon? That's fine. She's fine. fine. Yeah, it doesn't seem like. It, again, this is a situation where it's like it seems like they gave her a general idea of what her character is supposed to be doing, and then she just kind of read the script. And it's like, so, okay, <laughs> this doesn't quite work. <laughs> so, some key areas where this movie is missing Safira's growth. In the movie, she flies off into the sky. You see some vague lightning, and she turns into a full size fucking dragon after being a baby for two minutes. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what happens in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my, um, my, my, see right here, my note for that is I guess we got to size up the dragon pretty quickly. I mean, it's only an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes of a movie. <laughs> yeah, so you got to, you got to make this movie at least Harry Potter length if you really want to do the book justice closer to Lord of the Rings length or yeah. Harry Potter length. <laughs> yeah, you have to find some way to make this a little bit longer. I mean, I, yeah, I get it. They were going for, like the kid length like little kids to be able to sit through but there's there's just something about every line of dialogue contains names and places or characters that are never explained and it's I like saw, why are we doing I saw this an analysis of this and this movie contains roughly 28 percent of the first book yeah i mean it <laughs> make it three movies then you know make it three separate movies like so the the series has four books right i, I read and that they're yeah. all like aragon is the shortest of the books oh jesus so it's kind of like game of thrones <laughs> yeah so a what this movie really needs is the disney plus treatment that the percy jackson yeah. books are getting and yeah. you make the first book an eight episode season you make the second book a 10 episode season so on and so forth yeah, you do the Game of Thrones thing with it. Yeah. Yeah. But because it is a bit more child friendly, you can do the Disney Plus thing with yeah, it. Like, no, that's, yeah. That's why I meant like make it a TV yeah. show. And yeah. Basically, you don't necessarily need uh, sex in this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, you could, like, if you make it a Netflix show, you, you toss yeah. a little bit of sex in there just so the parents can keep an eye on things, you know? <laughs> or like that's some like, implied dragon fucking, maybe. <laughs> that's the thing that, like, they did the the gratuitous uh aragon shirtless shot and he's like a regular like i think he was like 17 when this movie was being shot and he's just a skinny british kid <laughs> yeah he's, he's not like he's not like chris emsworth you know he's just yeah. he's just a guy <laughs> he's just a kid but, but yeah you fast forward they fast forwarded through the development and the original connection of aragon and safira which you know, when he sends Safira away after his uncle dies, you feel nothing because they've been together for three minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's been a dragon rider for all of 20 minutes and suddenly feels yeah. he can storm the castle and save the day. You know, it's yeah. like you have it's like I, uh, the big the worst part about the Internet is like with Star Wars is like, well, Ray doesn't tr doesn't train at all. So she's just a Mary Sue. Well, in this movie, Aragon is a fucking Mary Sue. <laughs> he's suddenly the best you can think of and he's done nothing at all even though that's like the only thing that irons tells him that he needs to train yeah <laughs> now for reference so the character braun you don't get his full impact in this movie because braun is aragon's father if you wait it's braun is it b-r-o-n braun 
It's B R O N. Braun. Oh, Emma. Okay, I was just say yeah. N. So it definitely is Game of Thrones because like Braun in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, it's Brom. Gotcha. That makes more sense. But he's Aragon's father. Oh. Okay. <laughs> we we don't get that. <laughs> no, no, yeah, that's and not his, there. And so like the the random place they're trying to get to with the random group of resistance. They they have a much wider. This world has a much bigger outreach than just Anastasia, which is the country that it takes place in. I can imagine it's it's kind of like if The Witcher only took place in that one, like Citrine or whatever that one city. <laughs> so that's a, that the biggest problem with this movie is they took a lot of lore, squeezed it into a child friendly hour and forty minute movie, and then you know hoped it did well. Because they were also like riding along there. I think, what did we have? We had Harry Potter at this point. Yeah. And we, did we have a Hunger Games at this point yet? No. But I'm sure it was like someone was talking about it. Yeah. Uh, so this was 2006. So we probably Hunger had Games, a book, right? Was, what? Did we have a Hunger Games book yet? Yeah, we did. Okay. Well, so somebody no, probably. we didn't. I think Hunger Games might have come out in 2007. I was saying, I think somebody probably saw that and was like, hey, this is going to be the next thing. And, you know, we got, we got to capitalize now. So we got to, but we get, we go to Harry Potter here. We got to, we got to put something out there. Fuck it. Just roll it all together and throw it out. <laughs> yeah. Hunger Games was not out by this point. Okay. Yeah. Um, they went, I think they looked at the Lord of the Rings. I think they looked at Harry Potter. And I think uh, the Hunger Games was, was 2008. That's when the first book came out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, and I think the Chronicles of Narnia came out roughly around the same time as this. The so this movie, was more the yeah. young adult fantasy rather than young adult dystopia with some romance involved. Right, but like that—that's the movie for Narnia because I mean the books have been around forever. Yeah. Right? Well, I yeah. mean the Chronicles of Narnia are largely considered like up there with game or with a uh, Lord of the Rings as like. The founding yeah, the, fantasy the 50s novels. and 60s, the 50s, yeah. early 50s, yeah. So the but, original Chronicles of Narnia came out in... Yeah, the books, well, the books came out like the 50s, something like that. Yeah, the movie came out in 2005 so and did fairly well. So, so that's probably say, what they were thinking. They probably yeah. saw that and was like, we got to capitalize, try as hard as we can. What's popular? Aragon. Fuck it, throw it out there, kids will watch it. And everybody was yeah. kind of like, yeah, this sucks. So no. <laughs> well, they really did the Percy Jackson treatment of it because Percy Jackson's novel or movie did not do well. And now they're getting the Disney Plus treatment. And I Is think it? Aragon really should get a like a TV show treatment because despite being having issues because it was being written by a 19-year-old. Like, there's going to be writing issues. There's going to be, like, they're clearly not going to be the most nuanced writers. Right. But they do put together a compelling mythology to it. And yeah. there are some solid characters that I think would make a good series. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, there's, there's so much. And then, just with this movie, obviously everything's fast-forwarded to try to include everything in a terrible way to make money or whatever. The one thing now, my probably not my biggest problem, but a large problem about this movie is, you know what I associate with epic dragon fantasy, Avril Lavigne. 
<laughs> so when that Avril Lavigne song kicks in in the credits, I was like, done, done. <laughs> I am now, done. I'm not even sticking. Imagine, imagine a world where Sam Raimi's Spider-Man never came out and we get Hero in the credits. <laughs> that would be so much better, though, because it would actually make sense. <laughs> like the entire story, like of the, like the whole real life theme of that song makes sense. This fucking Avril Lavigne song makes no goddamn sense. But you know, this movie is literally just, they're like, okay, what are the four or so most important scenes from the book? All right, we got the starting village. Cool. We got the bridge exploding arrow scene. We're like, well, yeah, obviously that's going to be our key thing when we make the trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole him yelling Brasinger and shooting a fire arrow. Like, yeah, trailer, perfect. What's next? Well, we have to go to the castle and rescue girl A because it's a hero's you know, that's where Brom story. dies and <laughs> yeah. she's going to be a major character going forward because we're definitely getting sequels, right? Right, absolutely. Then, we're, we're playing sequels before we even have this one in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> and then we need the final fight scene where we have the Varden versus Durza and his cronies. Cool. All right. And we're just going to have vague traveling around along a mountain road to connect those scenes. Because this is an epic fantasy dragon, so you kind of have to have those scenes, you know. <laughs> but they definitely just were like, all right. We, got, we don't have time for 160,000 words. Let's pick out our four most important scenes and then just have traveling. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Just walk around. People love, That's what people love about Epic Fantasy, right? That's what the Lord of the Rings yeah. did. They walk around. So yeah, Todd, chuck that in there, too. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie sucks. It's it's 16% is being very generous to it, though. Now, I will say it is the most salvageable move. Like, yeah, there's some changes you can make that could definitely make this movie decent. It's it's really just like the the problem with this is like studio oversight or lack of sight. You know, they just they just didn't take the time to yeah. care. You know, they didn't take the time to care. Whereas Harry Potter took the time to care. Lord of the Rings took the time to care. You know, all of these things happened, like, and that's the problem with a lot of these type of movies that just come in and fail mm -hmm. because no one took the time to give a shit. They thought that just the name alone was going to get him a billion dollars. And that's not the case when you make this garbage fucking movie. <laughs> and there's also a level of luck because like you have a lot of those movies like Harry Potter took the chance on child actors. Like they didn't do the thing where we were like, uh, child actors, let's age our characters up a bit. They took yeah, let's the make them 25. <laughs> let's make it a boarding school or a college and let's, uh, let's go from there. But, I mean, it's if anything, like, they should have done that with this movie because this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> what? Taron Egerton, about eight months younger than the guy who plays him. I don't even fucking know his name. He doesn't worry. <laughs> who cares? Who cares what his name is? He sucks. <laughs> Ed Sp Spellers? Spellers? No, no one cares. No one. He doesn't even care. No <laughs> one cares. <laughs> Taron Egerton's about six, year, or six months younger. Probably would have slotted him in. Would have done fine. Yeah, I maintain you could probably put Jeremy Irons in there all know when we made a difference. <laughs> yeah. like, sure, why not? Who cares? <laughs> Just act but like he's a kid. <laughs> the big thing with Aragon is like, they're like, well, I expected, well, more. 
yeah yeah exactly i just expect and that's like when you're going through you're like well that automatically eliminates anyone with the last name of hemsworth because you look at hemsworth and i'm imagining even in 2006 chris hemsworth looked like a norse god yeah yeah i, I don't imagine that uh aussie kid hemsworth you know chris hemsworth was too bad looking of a dude he was probably uh he still had that like chiseled look somehow <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did think of another potential replacement. Anyone? I have it in my notes. Owen Wilson? <laughs> Nicholas, anyone? Holt. Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'll work. He works. Yeah, because he was, I don't know what he was doing in 2006, but he was probably, yeah, he was probably the right age to be doing all that. He was about, I looked at, I found actors roughly between being born between 87 and 89 because our main character, his actor was born in 88. Nick Holt was born in 89, would have been probably like 16, 17 when the movie was shooting. Um, he hadn't broken out yet really because his big role was X-Men where he played young beast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that wasn't until the tens, I think, right? Yeah. But um, yeah. So yeah, I have, I have nothing more to say about this movie. This movie, to me, in my mind, it's just a, it's just a cash grab that they should have taken their time on, and they would have actually made money with. <laughs> the, the, I brought up the uh, other unexplained psychic link, which is the psychic link between the elf and Aragon, elf princess and Aragon. Yeah, what's that shit all about? Well, it's explained in the books. I'm so. sure it is. <laughs> like everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They say, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to hold your hand. Go read the book if you want to know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wikipedia, tell me what the thing is. <laughs> but yeah, this movie sucks. So uh all right. So Mike, how's your beer? Feeling good. Probably. Uh, it doesn't look like it changed much as I was talking, probably because I did such a long rant on Aragon that I didn't have time to stop and drink. Yeah, you got pretty fired up about Aragon. I did. But, uh, yeah, so still good, though. Still Irish potato-y. Oh, yeah. Uh, neck of the Woods definitely, like, somehow mixed sour and Irish potato and made it a solid beer. Yeah, that's... Which is something I did not expect when I saw it on the menu, but I drank it right. because Tommy recommended it. That's such a weird thing. Like you don't expect those two to go together, and you definitely don't. You know, expect I would have expected like an ale Irish right. potato type of thing, like, like a cream ale or something. Ale. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all right. So yeah, my Zed's Irish uh, Zed's Kilkenny Irish Red Ale is very good. I'm almost done my second, but my third. Very easy drink. Very good drink. Not too heavy. Not too light. Not too dark. Bright. I don't know. Fuck it. Whatever. Nothing makes sense because none of these movies we're talking about make sense, especially this next one, which is yet another sequel of a classic movie we've talked about. Highlander 2, The Quickening from 1991, 0%, directed by our boy, Russell Mulcahy, who, the original Highlander, and Ricochet is what he is responsible for. Now... The craziest thing is, if I remember correctly, Ricochet was 1991, was it not? Yeah. I think it was. So I I will give this man a little bit of slack in the sense that he was busy doing a much better movie at the time. <laughs> he probably wasn't giving his whole ass to Highlander 2. We were probably getting half of it. 
<laughs> yeah, Ricochet was 1991. And I can't blame him for focusing more on Ricochet because that's a goddamn masterpiece. <laughs> now, Highlander 2, we're going to bring up Metacritic again. <laughs> oh, dear. Here we go. These maniacs. Okay. So, care to guess what order, if we're talking about these three movies, what do you think has lowest to highest Metacritic scores? Oh, you're talking about Jaws 4, Aragon, and this? Yeah. I was going to say, are you talking about the first three Highlander movies? <laughs> Draws for Aragon in this. Okay, I'm going to say that Aragon somehow has the highest Metacritic, then Jaws in this. No, uh, this, then Jaws. Really? Well, in uh, fact, Jaws is substantially lower than the other two. Really? So I mean, Jaws the Revenge has a 15. Okay, that makes sense. Aragon has a 38. Wow. And this has a 31. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's that's impressive. I, I so this and Aragon are both, I think, in the Rocky Four range, which is where we first started trashing Metacritic. Right. So come on. What are you doing? You know better than that. You know you're talking about trash. Uh, Rocky Four is 40. There you go. Yeah, still way too high. But um, yeah, this is okay now. So for for this guy, for Russell, for Mokehi, it's this and the original movie are the, his two times on Highlander. He wasn't involved with the rest, as in, I think it's like three more movies and the TV show. Um, there's all kinds of shit going on with Highlander after a while. And every subsequent sequel, like, erases some big aspect of the one before it, you know? And it's, it's kind of like eventually they'll just wreak on the whole damn thing. Because so now- this one... We find out now, not in the Renegade version, because the Renegade version omits most of this. But you find out in the original theatrical cut that the Highlanders are aliens from a different planet and yeah, time. The immortals are aliens. <laughs> they're from the planet Zeist, and they are from. They're able to time travel essentially to other planets, and just right off the bat, McLeod and Ramirez in this alien planet past are known as McLeod and Ramirez even though they have not gotten to the places where they are named McLeod and Ramirez (laughs) now the funniest part about that to me is Sean Connery kind of takes on the character of Ramirez like he was born Egyptian and then they call him a Spaniard because that's where he went to and I imagine he picked up the name Ramirez in Spain but no he was named Ramirez and was like oh okay so I ended up in Egypt but this name would work better if I went to Spain <laughs> I think in the I think in the original I think Japan plays a part of some point yeah <laughs> so he's also kind of Japanese but and it's it's so good because like like um like we said in the original one, Connery does nothing about the accent. <laughs> it's still Scottish Connery, and it's amazing. <laughs> now, what I will say is, this at least makes the accent make a little more sense because we don't know the uh, geopolitical structure of this foreign planet. Perhaps you have people with Scottish accents just kind of roaming around. So you're saying Scottish is the default accent for some people? Well, no, because you still have Len Bear and the other guys there that are like uh, Katana. Apparently they named one of them after the uh, the Outworld princess from Mortal Kombat. 
Well, that's the thing, and that's the best part that Christopher Lambert obviously is famously Raiden in the Mortal yeah. Kombat movie. But then, of course, there's Michael Ironsides who plays Katana, who is a Canadian actor, <laughs> and of course, um. Ah, fuck, I just, this Lambert is like Belgian or something like that. Yeah. And he's playing Connor McLeod, a Scottish Highlander, you know? <laughs> well, in this, he's playing an old Connor McLeod as well. So, like, you have this, what is this voice that he's using in the beginning? <laughs> this, it's like he got kicked in the nuts immediately prior to shooting. But then had laryngitis. You know? <laughs> it's like you throw them both in together. It's the weirdest goddamn thing. <laughs> now, to be fair, he's is he uh oh god, he's deaf, right? Or no, he's he's blind. He's, he's legally blind. blind, essentially. No, his the thing with his accent is that when he learned English for the first movie, that's when he learned English, you know, he didn't know much English before that. So in the original Highlander, all of his lines were essentially given to him phonetically. So that's why he sounds the way he sounds. And then later he learned, you know, English a little bit better. So he had a few years to learn English before this point. So this is why probably why in this way he sounds a little bit better but yeah. I don't know if they got him contacts or anything because he's still, I think, legally blind. <laughs> That's now this movie. It says something. So every movie and actually, I don't think the TV show got terrible reviews. The TV show, from what I understand, is actually fairly well received. I remember watching it when I was a kid and being like, "Hey, this is pretty fun." But you know, most things from the '90s do not quite hold up nowadays. But from what I, I understand, mean, the TV show has a 7.3 on IMDb. Yeah, the TV the shows, I think, held up very well. That's Adrian Paul, I think, is the actor. And, and lasted almost 120 episodes. Oh, yeah, that's because I think it was pretty good. But then again, back then, seasons could be like 30 episodes, you know? So you but, might have gotten three, three seasons out of it. It says something when you're like sequels that are just as poorly received as two are like, we don't want to even be close to two because, you know, they've just basically fucked with the entire mythology of it. It's so weird, too, because it's like, why? Why would you do this? I mean, you you can just start with <laughs> McCloud being old because at the end of the first movie, when he receives the prize, he becomes mortal. So that means yeah. he can age and go on like that. So that makes sense. So then in this movie, we're, we're in the year 2024. The ozone layer has been destroyed, you know, because that's what life is going to be like in 2024. So they got that right. But then he's part of creating this electromagnetic like shield that shields the earth from the ozone. Now, the shield corporation run by John C. McGinley in a great role, but a perplexing role because he's doing like an Orson Welles impression. And it's even crazier than you think. But and I love John C. McGinley. I really like, I'm not sure you will find a bigger John C. McGinley fan than me. No, he's awesome, but he's supposed to be like the evil guy that's like, you know, if we take down the shield, the world will die because he knows that the shield is making billions of dollars. Whereas the ozone layer, as we find out, has repaired itself, so you don't need the shield anymore. Now, the shield also blocks the sun and makes things like a fucking greenhouse effect, which. I'm pretty sure that's what happens when the ozone layer 
is removed anyway. (laughs) So, but the craziest thing is they're, they're hailed as the, um, the cloud and the other guy are hailed as geniuses for saving the world. But for one, did they not stop to make somehow make it like permeable to light? (laughs) Why did it have to be like a shade? (laughs) Why couldn't it let the sun in? (laughs) Yeah. You think you might've been able to find like, Maybe tinted glass. <laughs> right. Something. Just let something come in. Just a regular right. it's window. A, it's maybe. a little dark. It's a little shadier. But I, I don't have to worry about the sun being in my eyes when I'm driving. But I still get some of the sun. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a known fact in the medical science that human beings need sunlight to kind of keep functioning properly. You know? Yeah. Vitamin D, people. <laughs> right. Exactly. And just it it cracks me up that it's like okay you did this to i guess avoid the greenhouse effect yet you created the greenhouse effect with this shield <laughs> somebody well, didn't do the math <laughs> this did make me think of uh, the futurama episode where they travel to the past and farnsworth goes what's this layer of ozone you have here <laughs> right <laughs> exactly and it's oh man it's it's just so crazy because there's there's so much about this movie. There's one, A, there's the best like early 90s action movie trope of the random naked girl getting raped. <laughs> you know, there's that for no reason whatsoever. Then, of course, there is the weird half-assed, like not hair metal, but not new metal, like montages in this movie there's two of them and it's almost like power man 5000 will look at it and go wow you guys suck (laughs) you know i i miss the days when power man 5000 at least got mentioned once per episode (laughs) now it's more of a they come up occasionally but it's not once an episode (laughs) we do it more organically now i think (laughs) yeah yeah no i was forcing it very early just because it just came up naturally three times in a row, and I was like, right. well, "This has to continue." You got to keep it going, you know. But which is why I'm going to bring up spectrophilia because I don't think we've talked about spectrophilia yet. No, no, yeah, we well, we don't need to in this week's, you know, because yeah. no, this would be the movie it would happen in, though, but it, yeah. it doesn't, you know. But um, it might have been better if it did. <laughs> there is though. We do have grimy alleyway fucking. There is like huh. grimy alley sex in this, and it's uh Virginia Madsen and Connor McLeod. But it's it's like wow, it's like okay, we're getting everything in here, aren't we? And I guess in the world of the Highlander 2 of this, you know, like living under the dome, essentially, I guess fucking in a dirty alleyway is not gonna matter because you know, your other option is dying of you know, literally vitamin D deficiency. <laughs> right, exactly. We're getting killed by like porcupine henchman <laughs> Ironside's porcupine henchman that gets sent back to kill him uh, the cost of getting rid of the risk of melanoma it's ridiculous <laughs> you know it's just ridiculous and then of course there's like they got the the henchman got hoverboards then there's you know the pretty woman montage with Sean Connery getting dressed <laughs> By the finest tailors in Scotland or whatever. Now, now Sean Connery makes this movie. It, it's 
even better than Defoe in Speed 2, Sean Connery makes this movie worth watching. Yeah, without him, it is unwatchable. It's it's unwatchable because Ironside isn't showing enough scenery and John C. McGinley isn't as point breaky as he could be you know yeah. he's or even dr cock like if he was just like a sarcastic asshole that would have been cool too yeah he's <laughs> too serious he's like he's the bad parts of um hartman in point break and he's he's just too he's too serious almost and his weird he's closer to his belco experiment role. yeah yeah and he's it's it's too much of that weird orson welles accent yeah. accent that he does and he's like even admitted what the hell was i thinking with that like he's even said he's like that was a bad choice <laughs> that was a bad idea but of course there's no other director in this world that would have let him go except for yeah. russell mulcahy everybody else would be like whoa, whoa, whoa stop no we're not doing that no. <laughs> Okay, he's like, I got Lithgow over there and Denzel. We're doing a great little, um, like, I got Jesse Body Ventura with Lithgow. We're doing phone book swords in prison over here. You do whatever the hell you want, John. You'll be fine. Listen, <laughs> My intentions over here. <laughs> we have iced tea wrapping instructions over the phone. Yeah, maybe we can bring him over here for them. <laughs> that would be great if, like, the computer voice is like iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> or instead of doing like the prologue, like narration normal, have it iced tea wrapping the prologue narration. Like the other guys, just have him do the over, like the voiceover, like the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That shit was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing in Highsmith. <laughs> Dancing in Highsmith, yeah. It's, oh man, this, this movie and. There's so many parts like Connery at one point says he says the words hit it, dude, to to Lambert. And they might as well have kept the fact that the Highlanders are aliens, because that's the only way that that line delivery makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> he's an alien who is just now learning um, American culture in 1991. I really want to believe that Connery and Lambert remained friends until Connery passed in 2020. I would hope so. You know, I would absolutely hope so. Or at least until Connery was like, well, you can slap bitches and be fine. And Lambert was yeah. probably like, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. <laughs> so maybe I'm just going to go do my own thing now, Sean. <laughs> I, I'm but, weird enough as it is. I don't need to be associated with you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, Connery, his discussion with the Hamlet, the guy playing Hamlet, was gold. Like, it's I, so good. If the rest of the movie was at that standard of like comedic, not taking itself that seriously, I think I would have loved this movie. It would have been a much better movie. It would have been much better. Yeah, there is a lot of because the mythology of Highlander, the first one is almost too simple you know yeah. it's like immortals got to cut each other's heads off and there can only there can be only one at the end you know very simple the logical next step for that is why what was the mechanism that started that competition exactly and i think that's they it's probably what they were originally trying to go for with the planet zeist and the alien highlanders 
but no one ever thought to actually write that story they just came up with alien highlanders and then it was like well let's just go from there we'll come up with it later okay and no one remembered to come up with it later (laughs) well that so from what i read the original version of this movie where the aliens were actually part of it where in the kind of director's cut versions they're people from the far far past that get exiled into the future yeah and for some reason there can be only one they say there can be only one when they exile them into the future but yeah because like they start being drawn to each other that's their like but that's like the bond between connery and uh lambert that's their little like soul bond that they do so when they're banished they're they're supposed to eventually find each other that's like their whole thing it doesn't explain the Kurgan, though. It doesn't explain Clancy Brown, like I said. It doesn't explain all the other immortals in the first movie. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't explain, explain the quickening. It, yeah, it doesn't explain the prize. It doesn't explain anything. It, it mentions the prize in a sense that we have to explain why Connor McLeod's an old man now, but it doesn't explain what that actual prize is supposed to really be, you know? Well, that, so apparently... Um, the studio just had major step-ins on this because they thought of they could make a lot of money and that's why it got all screwed up because that's generally why movies get screwed up. Studios step in and Every just time. Go, hey, profit, yeah, I'm just going to jack off all over this script. <laughs> Every time. It happens. Every time. And, like, I'm like, okay, what are some... Why immortals what why could we do this so somebody said if you're going to go with the alien theory you're going to go with hey we're we need our leader we live like two thousand years our leader is dying we need to find our next leader that we're going to make okay so we are going to place some of ours on earth like the top contestants wipe their memories place them on earth they're going to eventually be drawn to each other fight each other absorb power and knowledge and that's how we select our new leader is it the best explanation no but i just came up with it two seconds ago and it's better than highlander too <laughs> the thing is though i think that's what they attempt to explain in the movie like that's <laughs> what they're attempting to explain they just don't actually do it right you know because that's what Katana is so worried about. He's worried about McCloud choosing to come back and kill him. You know, it's like, okay, but they don't actually say why that is, you know? It's just <laughs> so bad. It's it's so bad. And then, of course... He's old. The, he's going to die next week anyway. Yeah, that's the best part. He's like, he's going to be dead in a way. Just let him die, you know? By virtue of us going back... He will become immortal again. <laughs> you know, it's like he will become. And if he kills one of us, guess what? He's young again. You know, so he won't even be an old immortal. <laughs> but the thing, and then there's the part at the end where Ironside and McGinley are fighting, and I think Ironside rips off John C. McGinley's dick and then throws him out a window. Yeah, I think that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least that's something. He grabs know? him at in least... his Doctor Cox. Oh, Mike, Mike. Mike, no. <laughs> That's not the kind of podcast we are. <laughs> no puns, sure? goddammit. Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, I'll allow this one because it's yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> but 
Yeah, there's this. Oh my god, this this whole movie. The thing is, it's it's a zero percent. I don't think that's entirely fair. Yeah. Like I think it should be at least maybe a ten, but because it's so better than every, Bolero. Every terrible movie I watch, I'm like, is it as bad as Bolero? Right. Well, it's not a zero. So right. <laughs> I this would... is. I would watch this a hundred times before I watch Bolero again. That's a, that's what I was gonna say. You know, it's <laughs> this is this and the first one. You can almost watch back to back, just like repeatedly, and be like, "Well, what the hell happened here?" You know. It's it's been forever since I've seen the third one, but I know the third one is trash up and down. Like there is nothing worth watching in that. Well, Connery's not there, so. Well, yeah, it's there's nothing worth watching at all in that, and it's 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 so weird because with this movie, usually the director's cut of things are better, but this one, they no, never, it got it rid of never, some bad shit, but it didn't add anything better. <laughs> Well, I don't think they were ever even given the space to shoot better shit. <laughs> no. Probably because he was busy with Ricochet, which I'm willing to give him some leeway on. <laughs> I, I think what happened was the studio forced his hand on so much of this movie where he's like, well, I know these things just definitely don't work, and I can edit them out. Yeah. But I don't have anything that works better. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's rough. It is just rough to watch. but. Anyway, that's probably enough on Highlander 2, thankfully. So, Mike, where can people find us on the internet? All right. So, you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Happy Hour Films. I can't speak, apparently. Happy Hour Films Podcast. You, If you want to talk to Ross, go to Facebook. If you want to talk to me, go to Instagram. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Shoot us a message. We're very good at responding. Um, if you want to find us for streaming at Happy Hour Films Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Yeah, and I'm still waiting to hear from you cannibals and spectrophiles, you sick fucks. I know you're out there and listening. And I, necro, I want to talk. Necrophiliacs, we don't want to talk to you. No, you people are <laughs> disgusting. You need to go. But listen to the podcast, just don't ever contact but yes, the, the cannibals and spectrophiles, I definitely need to talk to you, especially if you're a cannibal spectrophile. I definitely need to know about that one. As a, and the necrophiliacs, we want you to keep listening, but we just don't want to know that it's you. Yeah, right. Yeah, just <laughs> just, just, just stay in your lane, you know? <laughs> you don't bother us, we won't bother you. Exactly, yeah. It's like we, we, we provide this to you, you provide us with listens. That's, that's all we need, you know? And you people that haven't read uh, Oedipus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, 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 just watch your basic instinct too and be fine. Just, just stay over there. It's funny that I like <laughs> you've championed, uh, you champion spectrophiles and cannibals and hate necrophiliacs. I've yeah. agreed with the hating of necrophiliacs. And then I just sort of demonize people who haven't read Oedipus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was the bridge I chose to die on. Yeah. You, you fuck you people that haven't read historical uh, epic poems. <laughs> but anyway, so we got one more week of this garbage that we're doing here with Rotten March. Now, I think next week's probably the best week because we have an absolute, we have a great one that we're going to talk about, one of which is going to be Joe Dirt. We're going to talk about Joe Dirt. It's, it's the best movie we will. I can confirm that from here. 
it's the only movie that's going to receive a good grade. <laughs> well, then there's also now there's also Encino Man that we're going to talk about, but because I have not seen Encino Man since the '90s, so I don't know how that's going to hold up. I my <laughs> guess is probably not well. <laughs> oh wait, I forgot. Grind is on the same level as D two, so Joe Dirt by definition second best movie this week. right now. I think that's until. And we had a little bit of a flip-flop here. I was trying to figure it out. I watched both movies, and I came to a decision. The choices were between Double Team and Simon Says, and I went with Double Team. And now, Mike, have you ever seen Double Team? I've never seen either. That's why I let you make the decision. <laughs> okay. I think Double Team might uh, it might be right up there with you, with your Joe Dirts and your grinds as well. <laughs> But it's Double Team. Now, if anybody's never heard of Double Team, that is Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yes, the basketball player, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Dennis, basketball player slash North Korean ambassador, Dennis Rodman. But um, so that will be next week. And uh, until that time, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. We'll see you guys next time. So long.